Thank you for choosing to listen to the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. We are thrilled to be sponsored by Vincere, a global ATS system that truly transforms the experience of every single user in the recruitment industry. We are also really proud to be partners to Needy, the bespoke gift matching service using psychology and AI to, to remove boring gifts and experiences. We'll tell you more about them later in the show. And we are also very proud to partner Inclusion Crowd, the diversity and inclusion specialist for the recruitment industry, something that you all need to know about. But again, more information later on in the show. Thank you for choosing to listen. Remember to click the subscribe or follow button so you'll be alerted to any new episodes that we release on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. But enough of this, let's jump into this week's guest. You're in for an absolute treat today on this show. The Recruiters Recruitment Podcast is really proud to welcome to our global community, Edmund Blog, who is the founder and director of Recruit Hub which is a company that supports those starting out on their entrepreneurial journey into owning their own business. And he will explain more in the show. And during this episode, if you're a recruiter listening, thinking in the future, or right now setting up on your own, this is an absolute essential listen. Edmund is concise. He's calm. He creates an incredible amount of experience of launching people into the recruitment industry as recruitment business owners. But actually, if you're a leader listening, how can you ensure that you can mag- absolutely keep hold of those recruitment specialists that you can see are entrepreneurs, but actually develop as entrepreneurs within your business? So we've got some really wonderful content coming your way. So thank you so much for joining us on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. And without further ado, let's jump into the episode with Edmund. This is Leisha Holmes, and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast, and I'm really, really proud and honoured to be welcoming to our community today, somebody that I've had the absolute honour to get to know over the last couple of years, and he's going to do an introduction to his business, but this is Edmund Blog, and he's the director of Recruit Hub. Welcome to you today, Edmund. How are you? Hi, Leisha. Yeah, very well. Thank you. Thank you, and thanks for for having me on the podcast. Uh, Huge pleasure to be here. Well, it really is. And it's been a long time coming. I think I've asked you probably more times than I've uh, asked you how things are in the market. So those who are not yet familiar with Recruit Hub, what exactly are you? What do you do? So I think probably best described as a, as an accelerator platform for recruitment uh, ventures in the early phases. So we typically work with recruiters who are launching their own business for the first time. And I suppose we essentially provide a sort of integrated solution of technology, back office, advisory, uh, resources, brand, uh, and, and a general platform on which people who are looking to build a business from the ground up can accelerate their their route to market and ultimately their their financial performance. I can literally hear those listeners around the globe. We know that you that we know that you sat around all all parts of the planet here, and there's going to be people listening that are thinking, "I am going to probably go and set up on my own." So we are so excited about this episode because I think that that is one of the most remarkable things about our industry. And actually, post COVID. Have you particularly seen a boom in people setting up on their own? Do you think that there's opportunity in downturns in markets and in recessions? Yeah, I mean, there undoubtedly is. Um, and COVID is, I think, a really interesting case because not only did we have the, the sort of economic downturn and, and the change that brings about, but obviously we had sort of unprecedented numbers of people who were getting a taste of independent work for the first time. So huge numbers of people working from home. And I think a lot of people in that situation starting to realise, you know, in various different capacities, 
actually, maybe this is something that I can do more independently than I realize, you know, I'm managing my time effectively. I'm suddenly not in an environment where this feels like it's being done for me. So I think, yeah, that's definitely been a huge factor. Um, and I think another thing that kind of we're, we're always very conscious of is that in sort of uncertain uh, sort of market conditions, uh, there's a degree to which those really favor lean, agile businesses. And, and obviously, you know, it's a very different ball game if you're, if you're running a large organization that is less able to sort of pivot and change. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, for sure, there's, there's, been a, there's been a big, big change on the back of that. And I can't see that changing. And, and obviously, you know, we, we both service the same sector. We both, we both work within the recruitment industry. And I think that out of, you know, potential challenges in the economy comes opportunity. And I always think that those are the best times to, to really, you know, take yourself out of that security blanket where you might be made redundant anyway so I think it's a, I think it's a very interesting time ahead for everybody and as we sort of start out in 2023 I think that's what that's where we will definitely pique the interest of those recruiters who think they can do it so on that basis who do you think should consider setting up on their own the recruiters recruitment podcast is thrilled to be partnering with inclusion crowd inclusion crowd put the d into diversity but do it disruptively we love that. Really reflecting what we're about. I was introduced to Inclusion Crowd back in 2020, and I've been absolutely blown away with what they're doing to totally transform the recruitment and hiring sector. They believe at Inclusion Crowd that companies should be reflective of society and that no matter who you are listening now, you have a story to tell. You have a contribution to make. An inclusion crowd educates you in allowing your voice to come out and share that story, but doing it in a way that educates your colleagues and your customers equally. Inclusion crowd, like the Recruiters Recruitment podcast, has clients all over the world and they specialise in our industry. What we all want to do together is to maintain best practice and to raise industry standards to enable us to attract and retain the best talent, but doing so inclusively and with true diversity. By doing this, by accomplishing a true EDI policy within your business, you will also retain the top talent as well as attract new talent, which is a win-win for everybody listening, making more profitable business and a much better industry, highly regarded. Inclusion Crowd are also the official awarding body for the Inclusion and Diversity Certification Mark within recruitment. We are so proud to be assisting and partnering Inclusion Crowd. If you want to know more information, please click on the link in this episode and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when you do so. Now, back to the episode. So it's a, a super important question. Um, so, so who should consider it? I guess kind of looking back at our conversations with people, um, the, the most, and people ask us all the time, you know, what is it that you look for in, in partnering with people? And I think the, the number one thing for us without a shadow of a doubt is, is the drive. Um, so there's obviously a huge kind of piece around experience and competency, mm -hmm. um, but the drive is the most important thing. You have to really want to do it. You have to want to do it for yourself. And there's loads of different reasons why people would want to do that. Um, for some people, it's, it's very financially driven. You know, they've got very, very mm -hmm. sort of significant life goals and they get to a point in their careers where they think, I am not going to be able to get where I want to be mm -hmm. in terms of my financial future 
if I'm not, you know, on a different track here, mm -hmm. which is which is which is a, a huge factor for a lot of people. Um, for some people, it's just it's just a question of ownership. They just really passionately want to control the way that they do recruitment, the way that they interact with their clients, the type of businesses they work with, um, and and there's probably a financial piece there, but it's not the main driver. Uh, and I think for for some other people, there's definitely a huge flexibility component to it, a work life bit. And I suppose we we also in, in our sort of past few years of doing what we do, have spoken to a lot of people where our expectation has been on on meeting somebody or seeing their profile. Wow, this is a you know high performing manager or you know business unit uh, director. We're assuming this person is going to want to go and build something you know big and fast mm. and impressive. And in reality, in some situations, it's simply they just want to take their foot off the gas and spend a bit more time with family. They yeah. want to be around young kids more. Um, and so I think that's another massive piece is the autonomy. And, and mm. you know, on, on our platform, we, we genuinely have had people who've had their first conversations with us to kind of understand what we do while they've been in the Bahamas. They've then reviewed our terms of business while they've been in South America. And then by the time they're live on the platform, you know, they're recruiting out of Southeast Asia and, and they're, they're really embracing that sort of digital nomad capability. So it's yeah, I think if it's one of those three categories, probably that's where you would start. Mm, I think yeah absolutely I mean obviously I set my business up when I had my first uh, daughter who had who is now 18 actually but I think that a large part of what you've said there I think is the, that level of independence where you feel that you're you could do things differently or better and I certainly think that's what I look for when when I'm considering a you know if a recruiter comes to me and I think you know you should be doing it for yourself it's usually because they are very driven they are the business developer you know they have won the business but they've got the personal drive as well and I think whatever that reason looks like like you say it could be financial it could just be to have I, I use the word freedom because actually freedom yeah. can mean so many different things so I think that's got me excited on everybody's behalf but okay let's be really cautious here because you mustn't say yes to everybody who who shouldn't who wouldn't be right because there are plenty of people listening who probably feel really you know career focused you know because of influences and social media probably think they can just go and do it I've, I've set up a desk I can do it again so but who shouldn't yeah, so it's 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 a it's a super important question. I guess we would be pretty pretty hesitant to tell anybody they can't do this. I suppose in terms of our our criteria when we're chatting with people that you know are considering this and you know want to see if we're maybe the right partner to help them do it, what we're looking at is 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 there a very significant gap between their success in you know their their sort of employment uh their career to date and what they are thinking of doing in their mm. startup and if there's a huge gap there it's not that they couldn't do it and it's not they shouldn't do it but certainly in our world that's something that we would look at really closely so if somebody you know mm. pops up and says hey you know i did a million last year uh you know i'm super excited i want to go and do my own thing and we look into how that million was generated and we look into the account that it was won through and we look at kind of you know the business that they were with and the sort of structure that they had and you yeah. know the teams and other people that went into that and we look at it and say that's that's not something that realistically you could expect to replicate as an independent then it's not that they shouldn't do it but they should definitely be aware of what what is likely you know once i'm kind of going out and building my own mm -hmm. thing that's one thing i think for yeah. sure i definitely don't think people should do it if they if if it's if the drive to do it is coming from a negative place mm. so, so some people i think you know just feel i don't know for whatever reason there's been some friction in their current business or with managers or whatever and that you know gives them a bit of an axe to grind i think it's a pretty unhealthy place to start a business from it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it again but it's definitely probably mm. not a great guiding north star um and i think probably the other the other hesitancy that we would advise is if somebody has had really really limited exposure 
to all of the different commercial elements to mm. successfully managing a 360 revenue cycle. Yeah. So if somebody's only ever done delivery, never done BD, there's a big piece missing there. If they've been very, very far away from anything that resembles contract negotiation, they don't really understand their, their own companies mm. in terms of business. And you know, if, if, if they are very, very green on the commercial side yeah. and there's so much to learn that they will have to learn as they attempt to build a company, then for sure there's an argument there to kind of you know get a bit more experience under the belt. But outside of that, that's probably the, the main but- thing. But very pragmatic. And actually, I'm really pleased that you talked about that North Star because I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that this has to come from a very positive driven place. So actually, that leads very nicely into something that I want to talk about, which is the concept of entrepreneur, because there's no shame in being really inspired and wanting to create and carve something out for yourself. But you can actually potentially do it with your employment. You could, you know, go and set up a new division for somebody. 100%. 100% you can set up a new division. You can set up, you know, new geographical regions. Uh, And you can also, within recruitment business, there's a thousand things that you can build and improve internally. You know, you can build out Mm -hmm. new commercial models. You can, you know, build out new internal programs and, and frameworks. So there's huge opportunity to to build things and there's opportunity to be well remunerated for doing that and there's massive opportunity to get huge satisfaction from doing that so yeah I I I definitely definitely don't see that there's a kind of uh sort of binary opposition between being an entrepreneur and you know doing all sorts of entrepreneurial things or being very heavily incentivized financially to do them um Mm. no they're, they're 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 two ends I suppose of a spectrum really and then so for that reason you know for the leaders listening Look, watch out for your entrepreneurs. Look at the entrepreneurs. What can you do to embrace them, to actually utilize them and make the most of them? You know, benefit from those behaviors that actually mean that you won't lose that the, the revenue that they create. And obviously the, ca- the cascade effect of having somebody like that in your business. Yeah, and I, th- I, think that's, I think that's critical. And I think, you know, obviously we interact with a lot of people who've reached a point in their careers where they feel the next thing is for me to do this on my own because there is nothing left for me to do where I am Mm. and and I and I definitely from a personal standpoint think that retaining your staff is 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 a huge and ongoing challenge within your business but I think also it should never be something that is done in my opinion it should never be done cynically through mechanisms and retention kind of structures that make it hard or unpleasant Mm. people leave it should always be that your key people want to carry on working with you as part of a team and that's part incentive it's part reward but it's mm-hmm. also part team dynamic it's excitement it's collaboration it, you know, there's a thousand and one ingredients there and mm-hmm. of course there are hundreds of thousands of people who are on a very very interesting and stimulating career path love it and wouldn't want to leave it and that's great and they're going to have to you have to have people like that if you're going to start your own company you're yeah, not going definitely. to build it on your own no, definitely. I, lo- I love that. That Again, very pragmatic approach about it. So obviously you get people approaching you and you've got a very sort of remarkable marketing strategy for it. But if somebody's thinking about doing it, what would your advice be in terms of approaching a potential investor? How would you go about what would the steps be? In 2022, Vincheri joined forces with the Access Group. Vincheri has always spoken openly about their ambition to becoming the recruitment operating system by partnering with a heavyweight who shares their vision of providing a single operating system for the front, middle and back office of recruitment firms. There are now no limits as to how far Vincere can take the platform and the experience they provide to their customers. Vincere will become the flagship CRM within Access Recruitment's portfolio of products. Same people, same platform, but with way more firepower. 
Now, Vincere is offering an exclusive deal for listeners of the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. If you want to know more information, send me a DM and we can introduce you. Yeah, so so I guess we we are slightly different. We we mm. we certainly wouldn't consider ourselves primarily as an investor. So probably seventy mm. ish percent of the of the businesses that we've launched, they've taken no external capital. It's been mm. all done through through the founders' own finances. Mm. Um, but specifically around approaching an investor, I think the most important thing that we would always think about is the key thing that an investor will be looking at is what is your 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 likelihood of early traction. That's the most important thing. So what we're looking at is what is your plan? It's, it's always exciting to look at how your business is going to scale and where it's going to be after five, 10 years. You know, that that's that's exciting. But everybody knows that the real magic happens in the first 12 months and almost critically the first six months. What we mm. want to see f- when we're evaluating new launches is where are your first placements coming from? Who are your early customers? Do you know them? Do you know the kind of candidates you're engaging, where you're placing them into, why your proposition is going to work, why you're going to win that business successfully. That's the key piece. If if there's a huge gap early on in the business plan, it's mm. almost more problematic than if there's a bit of blurriness as you get further into the trajectory of the business, um, because that's really the critical make or break. And when it comes down to an investment proposition, investors are obviously investing you know, on on more sort of preferential terms for the founder, the higher their degree of confidence is in the overall success of the business. But a massive, mm-hmm. massive element for them is what's the risk of failure here? And the risk of failure is hugely mitigated if there's a really watertight route to market. So that's probably the, golden the, nugget. The, the place to start. It definitely is. And I, I absolutely echo everything that Edmund has just said there. So in terms of, you know, if you were to do a little checklist for anyone that was thinking of setting up on their own, what would your essential checklist look like? What do they must, what must they have? Yeah, good, good, good question. Um, so I think probably for us, it, it it depends very much on what they want to achieve, um, mm. for sure. So, so are they trying to build a sort of lifestyle business? Are they trying to build something that's that's you know a multi headcount scale venture? Mm. Um, I guess probably a, maybe a different way of approaching the question is is I suppose what we would what we would see is some of the common reasons that people struggle when they are trying to start up. Okay. Um, so, so I suppose we would look at underinvestment in technology. Is, is usually a massive shortcoming in businesses. There's there's a real belief that, hey, I can do this with a LinkedIn license and a mobile phone. You can, for sure, mm-hmm. to a very limited degree. You know, even, even to become a really efficient individual biller, at some point, you're going to hit the sides of that as a resource base. And, and, and it's not that you won't be able to do it, but simply the return on your hours going into running a business with really limited technology is just going to throttle what you get out um, mm-hmm. for, the, for the exact same energy and effort. So that's one thing that for us is really important. So I think to your point, what's in your checklist, really strong tech stack and a really strong understanding of how to use that technology and how to move from platform to platform in a workflow that is also integrated, not just signing up for the latest cool, yeah. shiny tools <laughs> and then you know never really getting value from them. Um, I think that route to market is hugely important. Um, mm-hmm. Oddly enough, I <laughs> spend, spend a lot of time thinking about naming. Um, brand identity for us in terms of other launches that we've supported yeah comes pretty quickly naming is a really odd sticking point some of the best <laughs> best entrepreneurs we've worked with phenomenal potential get absolutely caught on what am i going to call this thing wow. um, so we've got a few a few things that we always advise people on in that area but that's definitely something just in terms of streamlining your process is is, <laughs> is don't get two days out from launch and then freeze on what you're going to call your venture it's <laughs> odd how much that gets under people's wheels um and i think the other thing for us is having a really really robust financial plan 
that's yeah. really key and so i think again that's that's a that's a tricky thing for a lot of people who mm. are moving from being a billing recruiter into yeah. being a business owner is they kind of put their fingers in their ears and build a PL to the best of their ability hope that there's nothing critically wrong with it and then just i suppose the, the early instinct is i'm going to go and outbill my costs yeah and as long as i'm perpetually outbilling my costs i should be fine but if there is no really strong underlying financial model supporting the business, it's mm. really, really, it gets very stressful to try and run that type of, of company. So I suppose that's one of the key things that we spend a lot of time with people on early is saying, let's build a really detailed financial forecast for this. And, and really importantly to us, let's right size that financial forecast specifically to the individual, their business, their market, uh, their track record, their network, their sales yeah. cycle, their restrictions. Because it's super easy to build a spreadsheet that looks exciting and it's very easy to build, you know, a bunch of attractive looking numbers, but it's much more helpful to be able to start your venture saying with every available piece of information around me, my target client base, what I've done before, we're really confident that we can as a minimum deliver these numbers. And if we do, Mm. then we can start to move this thing forward and we can grow it from there. So that's Yeah. yeah, probably would be on my list. Very Really useful list actually. And I'm really pleased that you brought up restrictive covenants because I get asked this an awful lot actually by people are they are they worth what they're written and I'm like well it always depends on your contract what you've actually signed of course it does it's very individualistic isn't it but at the same time you want to set your business out in an ethical way so what would your advice be if let's say somebody's contract is watertight let's make that the assumptive starting point what would your quick advice be on that we are so proud to be partners of needy the gifting revolution Here at Key Recruitment, we absolutely love to send out bespoke gifts to our new place candidates to welcome them in their new jobs, but also as an extra special thank you to clients or when a team is celebrating something really special. But to be honest, we were really fed up with dull or mediocre gifts that you could just buy on the high street that didn't really reflect who we are at Key Recruitment as a business. This is why we chose Needy. Needy source sustainably from the UK's best independent businesses, offering the most perfect array of bespoke gifts and experiences too. So no more boring bottles of plonk or rubbish boxes of chocolates. This is how you make your customers day with a gift that really matters and shows that you really want to do something special for them. For more information on how psychology and AI forming to make the best gift experience for you, click on the link and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when ordering. Now, back to the episode. I mean, number one thing is we advise people to, to just adhere to their covenants, you know, mm. as fully as they possibly can. Mm. The the fallout of even being suspected of or having given cause for someone to suspect that you might be skirting around the edges or kind of, you know, dipping into a restricted base, the the, the distraction that that causes just in mm. dealing with the interaction with your previous employer is not worth it. Absolutely no. not worth it. Uh, it. Time flies when you're building a business. It's super exciting. You will your your restrictive covenants will be over way earlier than you realize. It was suddenly, wow, has it been six, nine, yeah. twelve months, whatever it is? Yeah. It happens super, super quickly. At which point the entire global human capital market is viable. Yeah. So absolutely. they're over so quickly and they mm-hmm. restrict in in reality such a limited portion of the total available opportunity. Uh, it's just not worth it. 
what Edmund just said, and just circling back to what you said earlier on about the behaviors of somebody that can set up on their own business development. So don't be afraid. And I absolutely echo the ethics of what you just said there. And anyone that anybody that asks you to break those restrictive covenants, you need to run a mile. In my opinion, if they are watertight, that definitely. So before we finish, we're obviously in 2023. What do you think people should be thinking about? And that's whether it's recruiters or leaders this year. What are they, what impacts are we looking out for? No one knew that COVID was coming, for example, in 2020. Do you think that there's anything we should be mindful of as we trade through this year? Yeah, I, th- I think so. So we've obviously had a lot of these conversations kind of with our customer base around around what, what our advice is to them. And I think the the key thing is that is is we try very hard to encourage people to to be to to actually respond to macro trends in the way that they are analyzing their current customers and their business development efforts right so it's not just saying there's going to be a downturn but it's mm. thinking if there is going to be a downturn what types of organizations will be impacted what types of parts of those organizations what types of programs hiring initiatives personnel requirements are going to be affected instead of simply saying this is a big blanket uh, impact that's going to sweep everybody like a wave. It's not. It's going to hit certain businesses, certain bits of businesses, certain hiring initiatives way harder than others. And I think that's the key thing is just being kind of actually physically adapting what you're doing in in your kind of customer relationships and prospecting in response to that, instead of simply saying there is going to be a quote unquote downturn or you know recession and therefore it's going to be difficult. It's I think thinking one one step beyond that and thinking, yeah, who's likely to be impacted? How does that map across to my world? What can I be doing to be in the right place at the right time? And the second piece, which kind of links to that, is just having a much, much more sort of ambitious program of of network building Mm -hmm. in the anticipation that you're going to have to work harder to find pockets of opportunity if you've prepped that in advance by saying, well, I'm going to have way more warm conversations that I can jump back into. That's, mm-hmm. a, you know, really hedges your bets much more effectively than saying, I'm going to have to hammer the business development if this gets really, you know, icky, because that's a very cold place to be starting from in a poor climate. So yeah, I think yeah, just, just kind of prepping ahead, pushing as many doors half open as you can in anticipation that you're going to need to go and hunt for opportunity uh, is probably all most businesses can do. Yeah, well, I have to say what a very calm um, image that you just sort of portray to everybody there. And I I expected nothing less from you. I just say to people, you you can control your own controllables. So I guess that's kind of the underlying sort of message of what you're saying there, that, you know, the macro element of what you are doing on your desk right now, in your business right now, with your customers is within your control. But don't just don't. I think there's there has been and I'm going to say this really disingenuously about the industry since COVID, because we've all been in this like boom market it's been a bit of cross your fingers and hope that it'll all be okay but you can't do that so I think it's very sensible calm advice as I knew it would be and that's why I've been so happy to have you on finally thank you so much for joining us on the on the show Edmund I've really enjoyed having you on and uh, we will all be very grateful to you across the community of the recruiters recruitment podcast thank you awesome huge pleasure thanks very much Leisha you're welcome